This is why the priest has to be a man. It's not chauvinism, it's not sexism. And this has been the teaching of the church for centuries about that nuptial relationship, the union of man and woman. And that's what Christ is wed to his church, the bride. She's the feminine. He is the masculine. He gives the seed. The priest is in persona Christi. The church receives it, and from it, she gives life. We have arrived at summertime, and of course, that comes with a bunch of challenges. I'm speaking naturally about modesty. Now, it comes in two forms, the challenge, and that is for men, principally anyway, um, custody of the eyes. How do we do that? How do we look away? How do we avoid this kind of temptation? Do we avoid the beach altogether? Do we just, what do we do? It's impossible. You have the same problem uh, from your TV or your device all the time during the year, but summertime brings it out into the streets. So there's nowhere you can look. What do you do? Not only that, on the other end of the spectrum, for women principally, again, um, the issue of dress. How do I dress properly? What is immodesty? How do I know if I'm offending against purity? Tough questions. Tough questions we don't hear much about from our pulpits or anywhere else. So we brought on for you someone who is used to answering hard questions. His name is Father Chris Alar, and I'm sure you remember him from before here at LifeSite News. He is the Provincial Superior of the Marians of the Immaculate Conception. You know his order, Father Don Calloway, who wrote the great book on St. Joseph, Consecration of St. Joseph, Father Michael Gately, who did the great work that flows from Father uh, St. Louis de Montfort's great work of True Devotion to Mary. His was 33 Days to Morning Glory. That's the same order of priests, and he's their superior. Stay tuned for this episode on modesty with Father Chris Alar. Hey friends, before we continue, you need to know of a crazy new development. Some of the largest stores in the world are now sending opt-out messages ahead of Mother's Day, allowing consumers the opportunity to ignore Mother's Day and to avoid honoring their own mothers during the month of May. I'm not even kidding. The month of May is especially sacred as we set May apart to honor not only all mothers, but also the mother of God, Mary Most Holy. And our own mothers too, obviously. Therefore, in ignoring Mother's Day in May, it's a scandal. And my pledge to you from all of us here at LifeSite is that we will never stop honoring the unique role of motherhood as woke elites reduce all mothers to birthing persons. If you agree that motherhood is sacred, empower us at LifeSite to proclaim the value of motherhood this month with renewed force and faithfulness. Big tech and mainstream media believe themselves powerful enough to ignore the very base that supports them. But unlike them, we at LifeSite honor you. We pray for you. We celebrate motherhood in our mission to build a pro-life generation for our children and grandchildren. During the month of May, donate to LifeSite News in the honored memory of your mother, living or deceased, knowing that LifeSite will pray for you and your mother. And if you'd like, we will send you a card telling your mom of your donation in her honor. So please be sure to leave your name and your mother's name in the donation form in the link below. Thank you for choosing LifeSite, and may we honor all of our mothers during the month of May, especially our Heavenly Mother. One of the things that we are dealing with, especially today, we're entered right into summertime, is um, modesty. 
And uh, it's tough because, well, for the woman's part, well, I'm going to the beach, I'm going swimming, what am I going to dress in? And when I'm walking around on the street, when I'm going to church, those are all different places. There's different modesty for those places. What is it and what should it be? What do I do to, if they're thinking really as Catholics, it's what do I do to protect my brothers in the faith uh, from uh, impurity? And that's tough. Who knows what that is today? Um, so all very tough questions. What's the teaching of the church? What should we really do? It's a very confusing thing, and I thank you, Father, for being willing to answer it. It's a topic that few are discussing, but mostly so important today because it affects all of us. Uh, all of us leave the house. Uh, we're all in clothing, and so we have to think about this issue, and as if with everything else, we need to base this on church teaching and, of course, the teachings of the scriptures and whatnot. In fact, this is in scripture. People don't think it is, but actually it's 1 Timothy 2.9, and, you know, this is the letter from St. Paul who wrote that women, and, and it really applies to men just as much, should dress themselves modestly and decently in suitable clothing. And so we know it's right there in Scripture as an important topic. And why? Because modesty is one of the 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit. And in those, the fruits of the Holy Spirit are important for eternal glory. It's, it's, it's such a part of our faith. Modesty itself to, I think the best way to explain it is to dress modestly is to really avoid causing sexual excitement in another person is surprisingly even yourself. Um, I, you know, I, I always um, point out that the doctor's always trying to yell at me to get into the gym more because I have a heart condition and he's always threatening me that I need to get to more, more exercise. And it's funny because when you go there, you do see a lot of idol worship of ourselves, male and female in front of the mirror, very obviously um, worshiping the body. And so we have to be very careful here because this is one vice that can, immodesty that can lead to a lot of other reduction of other virtues, such as temperance, um, you know, such as um, gluttony, because we want more of something. Um, and of course, lust when we're invoking it in ourselves or another. So very important that we be careful of this. Break this down for us, Father, because a lot of this is very difficult to discern. Um, there used to be a saying about custody of the eyes. Nobody even has heard of that anymore. What does that mean? And what does that mean in specific for guys when they're trying to um, practice purity? Custody of the eyes is something that was a regular part of my confession, still is, unfortunately, from time to time, because, you know, we're still uh, males. We still biologically... Um, being, um, uh, you know, God created us as sexual beings. The key is to rightly order those sexual um, natural instincts that we have in us. Um, I know for sure that it can be done. We can live chaste lives. Um, I delayed my priesthood for years thinking I could not be celibate. Well, with the grace of God, everything is possible. And so what we have to do is order it rightly. Now, you mentioned how do we do it when the summer's coming up and, uh, you know, we have invitations to the beach? Are we, are we first of all, keeping custody of our own eyes? Because it can be very challenging at places like the beach. But it's also, also the eyes of others that we can invoke. Um, you mentioned the swimsuits. There's a great quote from John Paul um, that he wrote. Now, if I may uh, read this quote to you, I think it's very powerful. He says, there is nothing immodest about the use of a bathing suit 
at a bathing place, like a swimming pool. He went on to say that it would be wrong not to refer here, if only in curiosity, to another problem, pornography. And he linked the two. And he says, this is shamelessness in art. That's how John Paul described pornography was shamelessness in art. Now, he said it's very broad. It's a very broad problem and extremely complex. But he said, because there's a lot of different kind of art. And I thought this was very fascinating. And he said, I'm concerned for the present only to define the gist of the problem, what basically means we don't even know how to define the problem. And if I may, uh, John Henry, I, I pulled up from my seminary notes, Aristotle. We, um, we studied a lot in our philosophy courses. I went to Franciscan University for philosophy. But here's what I found interesting when I went back to my seminary notes. He would talk about the spheres of action. This was uh, Aristotle. And he put modesty under shame. Because here's what Aristotle said. Regarding shame, if we have too much of it, it's shyness. If we do not have enough of it, it's shamelessness. And isn't that funny? That's how John Paul just described pornography. Shamelessness. That means we have a deficiency, but the mean is modesty. So we have to find that middle road, the modesty. If we have too much of it, we're shy. If we don't have enough, we're shameless. And so John Paul did a great connection there saying there's a right time and a right place of how we dress ourselves and what's appropriate. One of the things is, I think, a discerning factor, and you said it already, Father, I think it's beautiful. It's probably the most sure guide. It is to dress to sexually arouse or not. That's probably one of the greatest guides because you're able to, I think most people are able to see that. Um, now, things change. I mean, some people think, well, no, this is this is nothing. This is this is totally modest when it's like a crop top and a mini skirt that's not too too mini. <laughs> like, you know, I'm uh, you know, and it it sounds ridiculous, but that's the calculus nowadays. Is there some kind of um guideline that the church has given or anything like that that basically says, okay, here's something minimum like a minimum basis. Is there something like that? In fact, the church keeps going back to modesty. In fact, Mother Angelica was a good example. We were talking about EWTN a second ago earlier off the air. You know, at Mother Angelica's uh, shrine, they would have a box of sweatpants and long sleeve shirts um, for people who would come in um, that may be what she would define as immodestly dressed. Um, you know, obviously, uh, shorts uh, too too tight, um, skirts too short, um, men in tank tops. She made it very clear that you were going to have to put on um, these additional pieces, articles of clothing to be able to enter into the place of worship because she said this is offensive to God. And, and why would we say this is offensive to God? Well, you know, one of the favorite apparitions that I've always read about was Our Lady of Good Success. And this is a powerful apparition that really tells us a lot about the future. This was back in 1610. 
So over 400 years ago, and Our Lady warned about immodesty in dress. This was 400 years ago in Ecuador. <laughs> you know, how many problems of immodesty in dress did they have in Ecuador 400 years ago? But she said there will be almost no innocence left in children. She said there would be almost no modesty left in women. She said this extreme time of need in the church, they will shut down one who seeks to oppose this. And we've also talked, John Henry, about the cancel culture. Um, you know, we speak the truth and we're canceled. Isn't this interesting that Our Lady said 400 years ago in Ecuador that those who will speak up will be shut down. She used the word shut down. And then she talked about a time in the middle of the 20, just after the middle of the 20th century. Well, what happened? The 60s, the sexual revolution, the, um, the extreme you know, birth control, pornography, abortion being legalized. All of this under the guise of freedom really was a rebellion against God's purity not restrictions, but God's guidance of purity for us. So Our Lady went on to say that these days, talking about shortly after the middle of the 20th century, the atmosphere, she said, will be saturated with the spirit of impurity, which as a filthy sea runs through the streets, squares, and public places with an astonishing freedom. Freedom is the ability to do what you ought to do, like see modesty around you without your children. You bring your teenage boy to mass and you have to worry about him focusing on anything but the mass because the you know girl next to him is dressed very modestly. And it works both ways. Uh, you know, a, a, a male can do the same thing to a female. So Our Lady warned us of this in uh, Our Lady of Good Success. So in fact, Fatima too, John Henry, she, she mentioned this. She said, more souls go to hell for sins of the flesh than any other reason. And she told this to Jacinta, I think it was. And she said, quote, that certain fashions will be introduced that will offend our Lord very much. And so we know, you, back to your original question, how do we know a guideline or a barometer here? Well, we know that if it incites sexual disordered excitement in another, or you're worse trying to incite sexual lust in another. This can be, John, um, I think it was Father Hardin said, uh, it's a mortal sin. And so we have to be aware of this, because Our Lady also said in Fatima, she, she said a warning to, to the women there. She said that, woe to women lacking in modesty. And she said, let men, she didn't let men off either. She said, let men avoid greed, lies, envy, blasphemy, and most of all, impurity. So we have Our Lady giving us uh, definitely the barometer by which to try to, to, uh, to adhere to. Just a quick note before we return. If you would like to stay up to date on LifeSite's coverage of the latest life, family, and culture news, subscribe to one of our many newsletters by going to lifesitenews.com slash subscribe. And if you'd like to help us bring our truth-telling coverage to millions around the world, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation at give.lifesitenews.com. And now, back to the video. And this is a really tough thing because, I mean, 
God created woman and created woman beautiful, like you would say the most beautiful thing on earth. And so this is tough. This is not something that, you know, we're not naturally inclined to. We are naturally inclined to it. It's for a reason. If you can unpack a little bit of that for us, because I think that's very confusing for people because the human body is beautiful. God created the beauty. But how are we supposed to figure this out? It all goes back to John Paul's dignity of the human person. And it's, you know, pornography, being a priest, I've been hearing confessions for nine years. Um, I've been ordained for nine years. And it is probably the most prevalent confession, especially among men. But surprisingly, we're hearing a lot of females um, confessing this now in the confessional. Um, it is uh, it is probably the most confessed sin um, that I at least personally have heard over the last nine years. Why? Because it's so easily accessible. And what John Paul II said was that when we engage in pornography, we're violating the dignity of the human person because we've objectified them. And the demons love this. In fact, um, I forget which saint or blessed it was that said this, but they said every time you view an image to objectify it, especially a man viewing um, an impure image of a woman, uh, it is said that there is a demon behind every one of those images. So in other words, every time we choose willfully to look at these images and in, indulge in this, that there is a demon behind each of those images that is trying to find that portal into our soul. And remember, the eyes are the windows to the soul. We, we know this. And that's why we have to have custody of the eyes, as we mentioned. Because if we don't have custody of the eyes, you might as well open your door wide open and in allowing portals to be open for these demons to take over. And that's why uh, the catechism warns this. Now, what is the church teaching? Okay. Um, in the catechism 2521, it, it, it's very clear. It says, modesty protects the intimate center of the person. And it, it, what is it? It means it's a, it's a refusing to unveil what should remain hidden. And I thought that was a very well choice of words. It says that it's ordered to chastity. So modesty leads to chastity, which means keeping your physical body pure. And we can't do that without a spirit of modesty. The catechism says it guides how we look at others and behaves toward and how we behave toward them. And here's the key in conformity with the dignity of the human person. So we are to love God and love our neighbor. When we violate this, we have violated the second greatest commandment. We have not loved our neighbor. In fact, we violated them. And in, 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 in many senses, we committed adultery with them. If we've, you know, engaged in pornography or leaving custody of the eyes as a an important um, guide, we can fall into adultery, as Jesus said, just in our mind. So we're, we're talking something very important here. This is actually very interesting, too, because priests like you give up the opportunity to be with a woman and, and see her in, in that way that is for husband and wife only. 
And when we are asked to practice custody of the eyes, we make a similar offering, all men do, um, in that we are not engaging in this, which is proper to husband and wife only, because that's someone else's wife or to be someone else's wife or whomever. Um, and so we have this uh, opportunity to uh, all men to unite ourselves with what the priest does, except that the priest, of course, does that perpetually and, and uh, gives himself over to that as a sacrifice. But the priest is not going to miss out and all men aren't going to miss out on on the beauty of the female because heaven is going to have the perfect beauty, the beauty of God, which supersedes all human beauty, all created beauty. And so there is much more fulfillment in heaven, is there not, than uh, what we will get on earth with any of the beauty we can experience here. Undoubtedly. I told you before the show began that I, I delayed my vocation for years thinking I could never live a fully celibate life. And it delayed me. Well, that was just the evil one, because with God's grace, we can. But you know what is fascinating, John Henry, to me, I'm not stifling. Uh, what, what is the whole purpose of the of the male in, in, the, in the marital act is to give that life-giving seed. It is to, it is to share that love with another and to Give that life-giving seed. Now, what does a priest do at the altar? The priest is in persona Christi, and he gives that life-giving seed from the altar, that, that seed of life that comes from the sacraments, that comes from the altar, and he gives it to the church. And that's why we call the church feminine, because the church receives that seed from the priest. This is why the priest has to be a man. It's not chauvinism, it's not sexism, but the church is the feminine, mother church. She receives that seed that the priest in persona Christi, who Christ was a man, we can't change that. And it's not that man is greater than woman. No, no, men and women are completely equal. It's just they're different um, and they have different capacities. Like, you know, you always heard that the highest calling in the church is a cloistered nun. You know, even higher than a diocesan priest because of the way of life that they're devoted to. So it's not about chauvinism, but that priest at the altar in confecting the Eucharist gives that life-giving seed. The church is the feminine, receives it. She then places that in, if you will, in like a womb and, and then gives birth to life. Now, people always say, well, the priest should or can be a woman. Well, actually, if that was the case, knowing the nuptial relationship of the mass, if the, if the priest was a woman, you would have, excuse me, people are going to be offended by this, but lesbianism is because you can't have the female giving the seed and then another female receiving the seed. It, it, that's where the nuptial relationship between the man and the woman come into play. And, and this has been the teaching of the church for centuries about that nuptial relationship. And it does involve the, the union of man and woman. And that's what Christ is wed to his church, the bride. She's the feminine. He is the masculine. He gives the seed. The priest is in persona Christi. The church receives it. And from it, she gives life. And, you know, that's why John Henry in the catechism, it talks about the importance of this because you know, modesty uh, protects the mystery of the people. You know, you mentioned, you know, husband, wife. If, if, if 
If for me as a priest, my spouse is the church. Oh, the church needs to let priests marry. You know, I used to think that, and I always wanted the church to be able to allow us to marry. Now that I've been a priest for nine years, I will be the number one advocate for not allowing priests to marry. It's not because the church or God is punishing us. It's because I have to give my 100% to my spouse. And if I'm married in a civil sense or even in the church as a, as a, to a female spouse, I have two spouses. I have the church and I have the beautiful woman. I can't share myself. The church in her infinite wisdom has made it very clear why a priest isn't married, even though it's a matter of discipline. It's, it's not a matter of dogmatic revelation. The priest can marry. That could be something that's changed. Now, a woman uh, being ordained a priest, that cannot, that, that, that cannot change. But a priest being married can. I'm an advocate that they don't because either the spouse or the church is only going to get half of my attention. And it's, only, it's not fair to the other. So the church has said that this modesty protects the persons and their love for each other. It's decency. Uh, Catechism 2522 talks about this, saying it inspires us, not just in our love emotions, but in our choice of clothing. It says this in the Catechism. It says it, it, it keeps silent what should be kept silent. It, 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 it reserves the person's dignity where there's a risk of unhealthy curiosity. And so keep that 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 intimacy uh, sacred between the husband and the wife, just like between the priest and the church. It's funny because this is an area where women, you might say, have the greater power. So in the normal sphere, men are more powerful and stronger and whatnot. That's why you have the weightlifting competitions all um, won by these trans women with the the men who call themselves women, and in swimming and in running and in boxing and wrestling. Well, because God has ordained it that men are stronger than women. It's just physically the way it it's is. It's a physical difference, right? Absolutely. But in this sphere of purity and modesty, it's the women who need to protect the men because they are given the, in their bodies this this beauty which can lead men astray and and so there's a there's an opportunity for a woman to literally protect a man in that way that you're normally used to men have to protect women god's greatest creation is the female i mean the blessed virgin mary um the greatest act of his creation is the blessed mother and in her feminine beauty um you know you look at i was like I said, I've dealt with heart problems. I was in the doctor's office and I just happened to be looking up on the wall at the two charts of the male body and the female body. And you can see quite a difference. The man's body's pretty straightforward. He's got the typical intestines to process food, to dispose of it properly, to heartbeat, pump blood, um, and be able with the skeleton structure to exist day to day. But the female, it's it, just the design. If you if you look at the inner workings and the anatomy of the female body and you don't acknowledge an intelligent designer, I don't know where, where you could come up with that argument against an intelligent designer. It is incredible. 
the 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 amazing structure that God used or the intelligent design in the female, but then the outer beauty. Why has the art throughout the centuries been the female body? It is because of the beauty of the female body. So you are right. With that beauty, as with anything, could come a distorted use of it. What is pornography? Just as we read earlier from John Paul, nothing more than a distortion of art. The art of the female body has been distorted. And that's why the catechism, or I should say, um, John Henry, the USCCB surprisingly actually talked about this too. Um, this was back about 15 years ago. And the USCCB said that, that modesty is so important because it leads to purity. And purity is something we must follow. Remember, nothing impure will enter heaven. So in other words, this all ties back to our ability to enter heaven or not is if we're pure or not. And the USCCB says it flows from the virtues of temperance, chastity, and self-control. Those are big virtues. The USCCB said that a modest person dresses, speaks, and acts all in a manner that supports and encourages uh, purity and chastity. And in not in a manner that would tempt or encourage sin. Father, I think you hit on there uh, some of the advice that priests give in the confessional that is most central to this. Because it's related to modesty, it's related also to other areas of modesty, which, from a psychological perspective, feed right into uh, impurity and the the struggle with trying to maintain custody of the eyes, and that refers to eating, to excess, and uh, and fasting. If you could go into that, please. This is why the church has always taught, well, based on scripture, that we have to be in a state where the spirit controls the flesh, not the flesh controlling the spirit. I mean, this is the basics of our faith right from scripture. St. Paul tells us this. And, and the problem is that people don't understand the meaning of fasting, for instance, um, or, or gluttony being one of the seven deadly sins. Well, what does it hurt to enjoy a big, thick steak? Sometimes, no, anything in moderation is, is okay, but when we take it to the extreme, and we can have gluttony not just in food, we can have gluttony in the internet, our use of time, um, and in, for instance, wanting to see more impure images. You know, one of the dangers of pornography is you can never get your full. You're never, you, you never become full. You always need more and more and more. And the danger of that is it, it then goes into areas that, you, that you, 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 you can't get satisfied anymore and just, let's say, um, a beautiful artistic view of a, of, a, of, a, of a lady without clothes then becomes her doing something in an act. Then all of a sudden it becomes her doing something in a really unnatural act. And then it becomes something really perverted. Now we get into bestiality. Now we get into uh, pedophilia. So the danger of pornography is it's a slope that just keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And so we have to head that off at the pass. Fasting is a beautiful way to do that because it puts the spirit in control of the flesh, not the flesh in control of the spirit. And, and we have to realize that, that when we deny our flesh, We've become, um, we've become spiritually um, in control. Whereas when our flesh controls the spirit, that's why our faith teaches us that the three evils out there are the flesh, the world, and the devil. Yourself, others, and the evil one. 
And it starts with the flesh because our concupiscence leads us to want to be slothful rather than diligent, prideful rather than humble, and lustful rather than chaste. Um, these are the reasons why we have to put that spirit more in control of the flesh. A great, great way to do that is through temperance and things like fasting. Awesome, Father. You know, we don't normally end off with a prayer, but if you wouldn't mind, this is a topic, as you said, Our Lady said, more souls go to hell for sins of the flesh, of impurity, than for any other reason. If you could pray for all the viewers that we might strive for purity, men in terms of cuss of the eyes and, and remaining pure in their hearts, and, and women uh, in terms of being able to dress modestly, look out for their brothers uh, in this very real war, the war where Satan wields most of his power. Absolutely. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, we ask you for the continuous grace in this world that is so eroticized, in this world that is so over-sexualized, in this world that is so unchaste and has lost its sense of sin. We beg and implore you to have mercy on us and for the sake of your sorrowful passion to be able to forgive us, but most of all, to enlighten us, to lead us. We ask for your mercy and forgiveness on those who are acting in impure manner, either through dress or actions or words. We are asking that you help us to find purity in every word, deed, and action. We ask that you help us to live pure and chaste lives, to be examples of Christ and the purity of our Mother Mary. And we ask St. Faustina that you intercede for us, and Mother Mary, that you show us and lead us to your Son through your humility and purity. And we ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Father, and thank you. And God bless all of you. And we'll see you next time. Hi, everyone. This is John Henry Weston. We hope you enjoyed this program. To see more like it, be sure to hit the subscribe button below to get all the latest content from LifeSite News. Check the links in the description to read more and connect with us on social media so that you can stay up to date with all the latest life, family, faith, and freedom news. Thanks for watching, and may God bless you.